The quote is, what happens to a dream deferred? It withers like a raisin in the sun. And so I think that that is relevant nowadays. But during, during his time, during his career, it took a while for black America to uh, gain their strength and start demanding their civil rights. That's David Hemphill, the executive director of Black Theater Troupe, one of the longest-running black theaters in the Southwest. Since 1975, the production of Langston Hughes' Black Nativity has been a part of their holiday tradition, which starts running tonight. I'm Melissa Green. Welcome to another episode of Heart of the Arts. Thank you for joining us in the studios today. Thank you. Thank you very much. So you're bringing a new production of Black Nativity, which starts this weekend. Yes, it starts the 2nd of December. And as always, it's a uh, uh, stunning production. If people have seen it before, um, don't base their attendance on saying, I've seen that. No, we change it every year. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Okay. So um, before we get into the details about the show, this Phoenix-based company is the longest continually operating black theater company in the United States? Um, I know More you... technically in the Southwest. In the Southwest. Um, but we're second to, I think we're, I think we're second now. Okay. Yeah. Well, congrats. 53 years. Cool. Wow. Um, yeah, since 1975, the theater has um, brought this sold-out yes. show yes. to audiences. Um, what kind of work and dedication and time and, like, commitment does that take from you to have that kind of success? Well, um, it takes a lot of, uh, a lot of begging. Um, <laughs> a lot of, as you can imagine, it's a lot of um, fundraising mm -hmm. um, because ticket uh, prices only pay for a small amount of our budget. So we're right. we're dependent upon um, contributions. So what um, has kept us going, so to say, is we finally got to the area, to the level where we were able to um, put in the hard work and dedication that it takes to put on productions. Prior to that, it was just getting established. Just We were formed in 1970. Mm -hmm. And prior to our first Black Nativity, which was 1975, we were just... Um, running around trying to stay afloat, uh, raise money, and et cetera. But about 1974, we were able to concentrate more on the production side of the, uh, of the, of the theater, and that's a lot of work, too. Absolutely. You've been bringing this for so many years, um, and it's, of course, inspired by Harlem Renaissance poet Langston Hughes. Yes. I'm wondering about some of your professional trajectory and which which poetry or art, whether it be Hughes or, um, or, or others, that mm -hmm. has inspired you the most. Well, I tend to gravitate... Uh, me personally, mm -hmm. um, I tend to gravitate towards um, writers that are more visual, um, that are more visual or 
are based in what the company, what our company was formed from. Our company was formed from a base of activism. Mm-hmm. Um, we were part of what was called the Civil Rights Black Arts Movement. So I like poets like that. I like writers um, that uh, tell those kind of stories from that, from that point of view. Um, so some of the others that I like are, of course, Maya Angelou, Alice Childress, um, which is, she's, ironically, the, the writers that I like the best, most of them have written plays, not very mm-hmm. successful plays, mm-hmm. but they've taken a stab um, at plays. Like Langston Hughes, this production that we're doing by Langston Hughes is based on his poems um, uh, written during the Harlem Renaissance, and that is a more... Um, more activism-based kind of writing. Um, but then as he uh, started writing more and more, he wrote another show called Simply Heavenly when he could um, relax a bit. But those are the kind of writers I like, writers that um, um, that outline the black experience um, and, well, just good stories. There's a poem, Harlem, where Hughes talks about dreams, how they were just as important to survival as shelter, food, etc., and how they can't be shattered. Can you explain that? Uh, That poem that you're referencing, the, the quote is, what happens to a dream deferred? It withers like a raisin in the sun. And so I think that that um, is relevant nowadays. Um, but during during his time, during his career, um, and et cetera, there was—it uh, took a while for black America to uh, gain their strength and start um, demanding their civil rights. So it wasn't a very popular stance. You know, in the beginning, it wasn't a very popular stance. It was just a few people that um, uh, were actively um, seeking and actively uh, talking about civil rights. And they were mostly uh, poets like Langston Hughes and um, um, composers, uh, other composers and et cetera. They were the ones that were um, um, more active in terms of... um, saying of in terms of realizing the quote in that poem it's you know dreams deferred they wither in the sun so they felt that and they knew that so that's why they promoted it as such yeah that makes sense and what about this movement in the 1920s like you said uh the theater started because of the civil rights movements in the 60s and 70s well in the uh in the 20s, there were uh, very few um, outlets, so to say, that could produce um, African-American theater um, of consequence. There weren't too many places that were going to let you produce some of the plays that we have now. Um, but at the advent of the uh, black arts uh, civil rights movement, that's when some of the writing uh, became stronger, and so that's that's how it's different from the 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 20s. It's it's much different from the 20s and 30s uh, because this was in your face um, kind of writing. Yeah. Uh, most of it was very um, 
you know, very racial in terms of the demanding of rights, showing the injustices to um, one group of people. Um, so that's where the uh, the poetry, the um, uh, productions were based. The writing was based in that that um, activism. What uh, would you say is going to be new with uh, with Black Nativity this year? What are some things that you're most excited about? Well, I think um, I'm always most excited about a new set, you know, mm. a new a new scenic design. What we do because of um, uh, economics, we usually use the set. Uh, for two years. Now, the production changes every season, but we sometimes store and continue to use the set. But this year, um, we're um, premiering a brand new, brand new design, a brand new set by a, a young lady, uh, Tiana Turillion. And it is really, really a very nice set. So that's what excites me um, about about this production this year. Um, and as with every year, I do get excited about um, about other aspects of the uh, production, other aspects of the design team. Um, this season, it's scenic, but okay. um, I do like uh, the changing of lighting designers. We have a new lighting designer this season. Um, the costume designer, what she does is she just augments um, the costumes each year, each season. Now, the second half of the production is the part that theaters have control over. The first part of the production is Langston Hughes's poetry and all of his, um, you know, all of his writing that was contained in Black Nativity, which he called a song play. But the second yeah. act, um, he made a, a very general structure, very general in terms of each area, each poem that he wrote for the second act gave you an indication of what uh, improvisation you could use, what new tunes you could add, et cetera, et cetera. So it was only, you know, only very, very minimal writing uh, by Langston Hughes. But that's what the second act is always supposed to be. Um, uh, not extemporaneous, but it's supposed to be um, innovative and um, um, new music and, and that sort of thing. So that's how the second act is. And that's always very exciting. As in terms of the second act, are you bringing local artists, songs, and ideas? Yeah, we do. Um, we get some of the city's most sought-after uh, gospel singers and musicians, mm -hmm. like the young lady that has directed the music for the last 10 seasons is uh, Brenda Hankins, and she is the minister of music at the First Institutional um, Baptist Church. So we bring in um, performers that can match that caliber that Brenda brings to the production. So we, we find um, performers that are well known in the community um, as gospel singers, and we showcase their talents in the second act. They, they appear in the first act too, but um, they're more effective um, in the second act with songs as opposed to the poetry. So, but that's what we, um, we bring them in and they, they are a very um, um, important aspect of the production <clears throat> because most of them have known 
um, have name recognition in the gospel community, and people want to see them, and people appreciate that we're giving them a uh, different platform to use their talent in. They have very rarely get to use their talents with lights and, yeah. and staging and that sort of thing. Um, so it um, that's what people like to see. We bring those people in all the time. And they probably just are naturals, you know, just because of what they do. That's on right. A daily, weekly basis. That's right. It um, <clears throat> it enhances their their spirit, so to say. We don't yeah. call the gospel artists um, as a rule. We don't say performers, mm. um, but we call them um, messengers or. Um, spiritualists, that sort of thing. Um, but they really do appreciate the um, idea of being surrounded by, you know, m- lush instrumentation and surrounded by moving lights and, and that sort of thing. It brings their performance to another level also, as well as excites the audience. So it's a it's a wonderful combination. They're inspired by the new in artistic environment and the audience that knows their their artistry. They're inspired by the way the art the uh, performer is taking in all of the environment and and um, sharing that spirit with the audience. So it's it's very exciting like that. With the I wanted to ask a little bit about the director. Walter Belcher. Walter Belcher, yes. Um, I'm assuming I'm pretty new to Phoenix, so I haven't been to um, one of the performances yet. But I wanted to ask about his approach to his directing and how that changes from year to year. Um, does he go? Does he go inside of what they're experiencing emotionally and physically and, and bring that into the, the movement yeah. and direction? Mm-hmm. His direction um, is based on uh, spirituality. It's based on um, uh, the artists and the um, designers and et cetera having, a, um, uh, having continuity. He directs the production not only in the sense of the staging and the movement and etc he directs the production in terms of nuances you, it's really difficult to um, direct how to create a feeling but he's very good at being able to uh, have the uh, singers create certain feelings and etc by by relating their by relating what he wants to something that is common um, in their lives, and it makes for a natural, um, natural, wonderful performance. That's why he has um, been so successful at doing Black Nativity, is because he he learns more about it each um, each season that we do it, and then what helps and what spurs him on. To be even more creative is we always have new people. Some people are veterans, you know. Some people have done the production year after year, but um, there's always new people. And so when he has a new a new voice or a new a new style singer and etc., that inspires him to uh, keep that continuity, that same flow that he's started with from the scenic design all the way to 
um, costuming and music. So he's mm-hmm. he's very good at that. Yeah. And then is there a link in some of the music? I know Langston Hughes talked about how there was connections to black artists, jazz, spirituals, to European music, and it was kind of dismissed as not having a connection. Does that ever come up in the choices for dance and music and theater, that relation to earlier European styles? Um, no, because uh, most of the um, most of the productions that are what you would call African-American, themed or African-American uh, writing. Most mm-hmm. most writing in that canon relies on uh, a lot of uh, music that was created by African-Americans, uh, jazz and gospel and that sort of thing. But there is also, there's not not many nods to the classical mm-hmm. um the classical musician in most theater, there's not not much not 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 recognition um, of their contribution uh, to the canon. But in black nativity, the contribution of uh, classical performers and classical composers is um, showcased in the first act. The first act is a series of very 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 structured well-composed gospel songs. Some people call them, they used to call them Negro spirituals. Mm-hmm. It's a, um, a term uh, that was used when classical composers would rearrange something or make a new um, composition and etc. They would call them uh, Negro spirituals. Mm-hmm. So those, those songs are all in the first act. The first act is composed in Entirely of um, classically based uh, gospel music, mm-hmm. very lush arrangements, tricky phrasing, and um, and all designed and composed to progress the story. So the the most important thing mm-hmm. that the um, that's needed in terms of the uh, classical contribution of the um, African-American composers is the music that's um, important for the dancers. There's the role of Mary and the role of Joseph and the role of the angel. They're danced. They don't... Uh, they don't sing or mm. or do lines or anything like that. They dance, and all the music that they dance to is like music you would hear, you know, with a ballet company. Yeah. Um, it's, it has to have a certain um, uh, meter to it. It has to have a certain style to it, and etc. So that music is um, very important in the first act. All of the music that Mary and Joseph dance to is... Um, composed like classical pieces to support their lyrical style of dancing. What are some things that you enjoy bringing back each year that are well, just a special, that have to be a part of it? It's um the... I think those those classically based spirituals in the first act, I really enjoy them. They're essential 
to the production um, because, as I said before, the role of Mary and Joseph and the angel are danced, and it's a very lyrical style of dancing. The original original production of Black Nativity was choreographed by Alvin Ailey. So it is, um, you know, that that style of dancing that has been um, a mainstay of all the productions. I enjoy that um, the most. And then sometimes, some seasons, um, we'll find an exceptionally talented uh, young performer, and I really like to see them showcased uh, because there's very few platforms for um, African-American children or African-American youth performers. There's very, very few platforms for them. So when we have one in our camp or have one in some of our classes, we want to make sure that they get the most exposure that they can. And one of the key productions that they get exposure through is Black Nativity. The, In fact, in 1994, in 1994, the role of Joseph was danced by a young man, um, Clifton Brown. And Clifton Brown went on to be a featured uh, performer in in Alvin Ailey's company. Okay. He would go to San Francisco for workshops and et cetera that we would gather money to send uh, to send him and um then he was gracious enough so to say to share his talents uh, with our audiences it's always very exciting yeah. when a young um um performer in uh, gets a showcase in black nativity because it's very easy because there's um songs like poor little shepherd but it's it's the nativity story there were shepherds and okay, um yeah. the you know the the drummer boy and all of the, yeah, that that okay. concept and etc so it's very um very easy um to creatively um, engage one of our young performers um, to participate in the show. And that excites me. I like that. Yeah. So does this company have a lot of opportunities or or time to take these, like you said, returning artists and performers out into the schools? Sometimes we do. Uh, sometimes we do. But most of our um, productions are not geared towards um, adult audiences. Most of our productions, most of our performers, there's some that are union, but most of our performers mm. work jobs nine mm. to five. Mm -hmm. So it um, would be very difficult for them to take off time to do a school tour. What we do is we bring the schools to us. Uh, Salt River Project has sponsored a uh, program for a number of years called the Salt River SRP Family Matinee. So we do um, the first Thursday of every three-week production. Um, we bring in schools uh, and, um, and senior citizens, and those two okay. diverse audiences um, have a have a good time seeing the show two o'clock on Thursdays. You know, it's yeah. like that. So <laughs> we um, so we usually bring um, the youth in to see um, our productions. We are making mm -hmm. plans. We got um, an award from the National Endowment for the Arts Ooh. to um, explore that very thing. 
mm-hmm. forming a company of uh, performers that can go to the schools. It's a lot of work. So how has it grown from the time you've started and up until now? And what effect has that had on the community here? The most important area that the theater has grown in is our ability to tell newer stories, our ability to produce a story well. That's one of the benefits of our growth. We have more scenery and more lighting and more um, uh, being able to make the public aware of what's going on, you know, the marketing and et cetera. And so the, the company has grown in that area a lot. One area that it still um, that is still very important to us is the role of activism. Um, there's always going. Well, I shouldn't say there's always going to be. One day we hope there is, uh, you know, no George Floyd incidents and um, those kind of things. But um, that is. That was the base of the company. That activism was how the company started. So we've grown in the sense now that we can um, produce plays that have a theme of activism yeah. in them, and we can produce them well. We've grown. We've grown a lot in that respect. In the beginning, all of our plays were, you know, kind of uh, in-your-face kind of plays. Um, you know, kill them, kill whatever. But that was uh, the nature of some of the writing um, during that time of activism. But that's that's one way that we've we've grown. We've uh, um, grown in terms of uh, the size of our audiences, and as I said before, we've grown in terms of what we're able to produce and our production values. That's what's important: our new production values instead of. Telling people, imagine a chair is right there. We have a chair. <laughs> yeah. So, um, so that's that's how that is. It's great. And it's mainly dramas. Do you see in your mind in the future, like you said, bringing more activism and, and new stories? Do you see that being told in a different way? Yeah. Um, Just to maybe help new audiences understand it. Yeah. And to... to to help new audiences as well as younger audiences, because that's going to be um, that's one of the the purposes of our mission is to uh, to be able to pass the theater on. And we can't pass the theater on if all of our audience members are 70 and, uh, you know, 70. Of course, they're the stability factor for our company, but in terms of producing what they like and producing what a younger person would like, it's, you know, it's almost like night and day. So we do that in terms of uh, the producing. Now, a lot of activism and a lot of the plays that we do that are um, based in those serious themes um, have become, they're satires. Um, or they're out-and-out comedies. Uh, we just did a production called uh, Barbecue, and it was unique in the sense of it's a family 
that's having a barbecue in a park um, that they're going to use as an intervention to get one of their family members um, um, some help in terms of therapy and rehab. So you see this white family come on stage and they um, go through the um, motions of the of the inter- setting it up for the intervention and everybody's excited about the character zippity boom is she going to come or is she not going to come so then the um the lights go out and when they come back up a black family is in the position that the white family was when the lights went out so they continue the same dialogue and the same theme and so that is universal in terms of trying to uh make people understand that you know, we're all the same. A story is a story. Um, we use those type of shows um, and that that very type of um, performance to um, use as a bridge between cultures. And that's what is more important now um, in terms of our older days as opposed to plays that are dark and um you know, the older plays that are based in real activism, when it was important to um, march, when it was important to um, um, make your presence known. Now it's more more subtle. So the plays are, are, are more subtle as such. Um, and then going back to Black Nativity, I know this is running from December 2nd through the 18th. And I was just curious, since you're so busy this time of year, you know, what are some what are some holiday traditions that that are important to you outside of work or may, maybe they just kind well, of it's a, holidays are a very, very, um, very, very wonderful factor for theaters. Mm-hmm. Um, you produce something that um, that um, harkens to the to the holiday at that time. So Christmas is a very important one. We call it a holiday play. We don't, um, you know, want to limit ourselves in terms of um, uh, what people would come to see the show. I mean, whether you celebrate Christmas or Hanukkah, Black Nativity should still um, appeal to you. Then, of course, Black History Month is very, very important to our company. And that is usually the month, the time that we do a more classical um, African-American piece. Like this this Black History Month, we're going to do August Wilson's Joe Turner's Come and Gone. It takes place in 1901. So that holiday is very, very important um, mm-hmm. to... And- yeah, so um, I was also going to, that was kind of my wrap-up question. I wanted, since you are one of the few companies to present all of um, the, the Pittsburgh cycle. Yes. Um, so can you give a little insight of um, what's coming up with that production this February? Joe Turner, I think Joe Turner may have been one of the Pulitzer uh, Prize-winning uh, plays that August Wilson wrote. They're not, they're, the cycle... Um, is about African-American life in um, this, this century. Um, so it takes place in every, um, every time frame within the century. Okay. But he didn't write them in order. This production mm-hmm. is his contribution to, 19, to the um, in early 1900s. So it takes place um, in 1901. And like August Wilson's 
shows. It's very, 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 very poetic and um, very, very inspiring and all of the things that you can think of uh, that make you say uh, something is moving you. Those are all in August Wilson's plays. And by having um, by our having done all 10 of them, you are able to see the progression of not only the writing, of course, but the prog- progression of our community as African-Americans, where we've come from and where we are now. His last play, Radio Golf, is, you know, a new, uh, new aspect of African-American um, life. One of the characters in Radio Golf is enamored with with Tiger Woods. So that that's that um that period. So Well, that's amazing. Um I I think that our audiences are going to love hearing your insight and I'm hoping that, you know, people get out and see this for experience it yes. for the first time because you're definitely at the heart of the arts. So thanks so much for joining us and thank we you. look forward to hearing more from you. Well, thank you. We enjoy uh, being here. Thank you for having us. Yeah. That's Executive Director of Black Theater Troupe, David Hemphill. You can see the brand new production of Black Nativity running now through December 18th. For tickets and more information, head to blacktheatertroupe.org. For KBOX Heart of the Arts, I'm Melissa Green.